Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Haltech Hall. How's everybody doing? Good morning, Mr. Haltech. Good morning, Aaron. This is uh, the first first episode of the new year. We took a two-week hiatus due to scheduling conflicts between you and me because we couldn't get together on Wednesdays being Christmas Day and New Year's Day. But uh, we got a, a lot of things have happened since the last time we were on board. So we'll talk a little bit about the... Uh, we'll make quick comments about the last two Bears games. Uh, then we're going to bring on Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. We'll talk about Kyle Long. We'll talk about how do we fix the offensive line. Uh, we'll talk about the coaching changes that uh, kind of shocked us the Monday after the season was over. Uh, at least it shocked some of us. And uh, and then we'll uh, we'll, t- we'll look a- look ahead to. Uh, what we can hope to expect next year and maybe talk a little bit about some quarterback history over the last 20 years. So it's a, it's a packed show. So let's get rocking. Yeah, absolutely. I hope everybody had a great holiday, great new year. Uh, We're on to 2020 new year, new decade and uh, lots of changes afoot um, for the bears. uh, I think we're hoping Um, certainly, um, you know, the last two games, the only thing I would say about them is, um, you know, the Chiefs game was uh, unfortunately a, a a lot of feelings of disappointment. Um, you know, basically it was about the worst case scenario in terms of how it went as far as my, uh, my eyes. Um, you know, Mitch looked bad. The coach didn't look great. Uh, the defense looked <laughs> rough. Um, Holmes looked amazing. Um, you know, you had Al Michaels and... Uh, you know, uh, talking about the double doinks, and it was just, I mean, it was really just a perfect storm of of everything you did not want to see as a Bears fan uh, on that night. So frustrating to say the least, um, you know, really uh, kind of, uh, you know, not that it, I, I needed it, but, you know, just kind of cemented in my mind the, that uh, we need to, to bring in some competition at quarterback um, for next season. It's uh, it's an interesting case, and, and as you mentioned, it was a perfect storm for what was wrong for the 2019 season. The uh, the defense looked shady at, at shaky at times. Uh, you looked at the uh, running game with running backs running to the wrong hole. You looked at uh, there was one play in particular where I believe. I believe uh, Trubisky threw over the middle. I believe it was to Wims. And there were four other receivers in the pattern, and they were all open. 
at least three of them were open, including two that, especially the one, you had Miller on the right side, and the safety left him. He was kind of coming over towards, kind of going between him and, and Wims in the middle. And, of course, when the ball went to uh, went to Wims, he went over and, and you had three guys on Wims. And you had, I think it was Robinson on the left uh, on the left uh, by the by the numbers, and he was he was streaking downfield, and he had his man beat by two steps. And so you got a, a sure touchdown on one side. You've got a guy coming over the middle that he could have probably, if he caught the ball, would have ran for another 20 yards because there was nobody in the middle of the field because they were all there were five defenders 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So, you know, that 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 one play just kind of crystallized the problems that Trubisky has had. He locks on his first read and he throws it. And I don't know if maybe we'll talk about this later when we bring on uh, Lester. Was he shell shocked because he knew the rush was coming? Uh, you know, because he, he needs to get the ball away quickly. There's times all year long, I mean, the, in the Minnesota game was a perfect example of that. There were times where he got back in and there were two Vikings in his face by the time he got back to his fifth step. He had absolutely no time to throw the ball. So is he getting rid of the ball too quickly? Is he anticipating? Let's go all the way back to the last game of the year against Philadelphia, right before the double doink. And Trubisky had to unload the ball, and he threw the ball right down the middle of the field. And I, and I can't remember if it was Miller or Robinson. Miller. Miller. It, and he was wide open. He, yeah. You know, he had, he had his defender beat by a step yeah. or two. And if he holds on to that ball a half second longer before he throws it, that's a game-winning touchdown. Yeah, his people, confidence, for, people forget know, about that. You know, his confidence is going to be at an all-time high. God only knows what would happen the rest of the postseason. And he goes into this year with a boatload of confidence instead of a boatload of question marks. And, you know, uh, the difference between Trubisky of this year versus Trubisky uh, with several games of, of last year was a the lack of time he had in the pocket b the lack of play calling that plays to his strengths i.e rollouts or moving the pocket uh, and you know we're going to talk about this uh, after after Lester comes on I did a 20-year search on Bears quarterback play and you'll be surprised uh, listeners, when we get to uh, Trubisky's year last year versus the other 19 years of quarterback play uh, in in the last 20 years since 2000. So, yeah, tough, just tough. Uh, and that Kansas City game kind of just crystallized all the problems that the Bears have had all year long, starting with the offensive line, starting with the, going on to the lack of running game, the shaky offensive line play, Trubisky unloading the ball too soon, and then some shaky defensive play as well. So that's a, that's a wrap for Kansas City. Uh, the Minnesota game, you know, they pulled out a victory. I was uh, even playing against the, the second string unit for, for the most part. They 
barely squeaked out a win. Uh, and I was quite frankly, I was surprised that they did. So the one thing that, that I took from that game uh, in taking the last half of the season, because they were three and five to start the year with the, and they ended up eight and eight. So they were three and five versus five and three. And as, as shaky as the play had been offensively all season long, it, it really comes down to two or three plays in the entire year to have a, a completely different outcome. You know, a 10-win season, maybe even an 11-win season. Uh, you know, they maybe they catch Minnesota for the wild card and they they swept them in the in the the series, so they become the sixth seed. So, as much as we want to just cringe at the play that we saw from the quarterback position, the problems were much deeper than Trubisky, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just think that, unfortunately, this is a guy who who I feel like literally every game misses a wide-open touchdown throw, at least one. And then that, you know, that's that it's not all on him, but there are just moments. And Chase Daniel's been doing, like, some media tour stuff lately, going on ESPN radio and TV, and, and he mentioned that they felt that there were 20 plays, basically, during the season that they wish they had back, quote-unquote. And, I mean, I'd love to know how many of those were wide-open touchdown misses by Trubisky. I would say at least 10 uh, of those, you know. I mean, and in the Minnesota game, you know, a 46-yard touchdown. I mean, he's just, unfortunately, the guy – what you, whatever you want to say, confidence, consistency, this, that, and the other, it's just he is not making the plays he needs to make when he needs to make them. And, you know, that's the difference between all the, every quarterback in the league has talent. I mean, you know, the, the backups have talent. You get to the NFL, you've got talent. The difference is can you put it together, mentally process the game, and execute with your talent when it matters the most. And I just feel like right now that's just not what we're seeing from this guy. And I don't know I don't know if we ever are going to see it. And I'm not sure how much longer we want to wait to try to see it. Because um, you know, this this defense is only gonna be uh, what it's gonna be <laughs> for for so long. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Tick Splits. And when we come back, Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TickSplits.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TickSplits.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TickSplits.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TickSplits.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere all right welcome back everybody uh we're very excited to have uh our seems like regular guests now uh, which is really cool uh lester wilfong from the windy city gridiron of course uh welcome les how are you doing sir doing good guys how are you guys doing today good happy new year my friend yes happy new year indeed indeed we- we uh, we started off the show chatting a little bit about uh, the last two games the Bears played because we've been on hiatus since the the Wednesday before Christmas. 
and then we just got started talking about, uh, of course, the topic of conversation is with the Bears is always going to start with Mitch, but it doesn't end there. And you know, we we want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, first of all, Kyle Long retired. Uh, how are we going to fix the offensive line? Because I think that that part of the problem that Trubisky had all season long was he had no time in the pocket. And when he had time, his, his, he had to, his mental time clock had to be going nuts thinking he had to get rid of the ball because of the, the lack of protection he had in the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. You know, there were times you know, in the Minnesota game, the last game of the year, where he got back to his fifth step and he had two Vikings, if not three, right in his kitchen and had no time to throw the ball. So, uh, Lester, let's start with uh, what do you think is the first thing we should talk about? Kyle Long, the offensive line, Mitch Trubisky, or the new coaches? Uh, yeah, you know, I think just going off your point there about the offensive line, yeah, they had a rough game against the Vikings. You know, that definitely was probably their uh, their worst game all year. Um, you know, but but going through the entire season of, of his of his pass protection, you know, part of that falls on the quarterback as well. I mean, the 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 way the defenses were playing a lot against Trubisky, they, they were sending some pressure at him, and, and a lot of times when I looked at the film, you know, there was a, one guy that was unblocked, and 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 sometimes it's just how the protection is set. And as the quarterback, a lot of times that's on him to know where the free guy is coming from, and it's up to him to get it out quick enough. And then also you mentioned when he got to the, to, to his his, his five step drop. You know, a lot of, again, a lot of it goes on him. You know, this is a timing-based offense. And when he gets to that top of the drop, you know, when the pressure is not there and, and he is missing guys that are open and he's just not looking in the right direction on, on based on his pre-snap read and his post-snap read, you know, some of those sacks he took were on him. And, and overall, the pass pro took a big step back this year. You know, but it's not all on that offensive line. You know, part of it goes the opposite to the tailbacks, to the, to the, to the tight end, and also to quarterback himself. Yeah, I wish I could bring – I would love to, to bring you and Olin Cruz on the show at the same time. I've, I've extended an invitation to Olin. Maybe you can do it for me <laughs> uh, uh, because, you know, there were, there were a lot of times where he may well have disagreed with you that it's not all on Mitch because the line play was so bad. And coming from a Hall of Fame caliber center – that's uh, that, that says a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's awesome. You know, there's been a couple times we, me and him have talked a little bit on Twitter. He is, uh, he definitely knows the stuff, and then he, he's awesome on the uh, on that Bears post game show on on the uh, the the NBC Sports Chicago too. He well, uh, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say one of the great things that Lester does on Windy City Gridiron is he tracks all of the sacks during the season, um, and so. You know, I, I think his point is well made that there are a lot of times where Mitch, um, you know, is partially to blame uh, for the sack. And I think early in the season, what, um, you know, what was also happening is that uh, when Daniels was still at center, uh, the combination of Mitch with Daniels at center uh, in terms of adjusting uh, production, uh, protection was was awful. Um, and they they were not getting it done. Um, I think which was <clears throat> I'm not sure when, but I remember the the Eagles game just being you know I feel like that Eagles game was probably the low point of the season in my mind when they had that seven yard first half or whatever it was. Um, 
and the, and the offensive line looked horrible. Mitch looked horrible. And I just think it was like a, it was just a bad combination. And at the end of the day, you know, every quarterback's going to get pressure in their face. I mean, there's just yeah. no, you know, there's no scenario in which you're not going to get pressure. Defenses are so um, exotic and, you know, they're bringing all kinds of different stunts and pressures and things like that. So you're, you're going to have to, you know, uh, be able to evade. And what's weird about Mitch versus this year versus last year is last year, he did that. Like he, he evaded the pressure. He helped his offensive line out this year. I don't know if it was because he is, he is, he was so stuck on keeping his eyes downfield or this idea that he had to become a pocket passer or what the case was, but it, it really felt like almost a different guy uh, in terms of how he reacted to the pressure, um, you know, and maybe maybe it was getting hurt. I, I don't really know, but it seemed like before he got hurt, um, he was, you know, he just seemed different. Uh, yeah, for and, sure. And I, I don't know why. Yeah, that's what I noticed too watching the film is just, you know, last year his pocket presence seemed to grow and get better as the year went on. You know, this year, you know, he just he was like like the young and experienced Trubisky, like where he was really skittish in the pocket. You know, he wasn't stepping up like he was a year ago. You know, he wasn't hanging in there like he was a year ago. You know, he was quick to to get out of there and, and trying to vo- evade the, the pressure this year. Where last year he he had the, those subtle movements that you see all, all the good quarterbacks have in the NFL. You know, it's, it's not necessarily you know taking off and running. It's just able to move a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, a little bit upper back. You know, to avoid you know the the hands reaching in. I'm, and this year he didn't do that. This year he, he he took too many sacks. Again, the offensive line they had problems as well. The right side was really bad this year. Uh, Charles Leno had had a, had a real rough year, you know. But overall, Leno's pass pro was 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 decent. The problem is with Leno was when he did get beat, and he got beat so quick, and it was just rough for Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Hey Lester, one thing that you know we we kind of danced around this a little bit in the last couple of minutes, but. Uh, Rumors have it that Trubisky may need surgery on his shoulder. Uh, I haven't heard anything definitive about that. We know that that Anthony Miller is going to have surgery if he hasn't had it already. But um, when you when you retrospectively look back at, at his games after he came back uh, from the, the injury where he missed the one game, is that maybe subconsciously in the back of his mind thinking that, uh, you know, he doesn't want to get hit on that shoulder, which caused him to kind of, uh, you know, go down early instead of fighting for yards. Oh yeah, it's possible. I mean, I know when the injury first happened, a lot of the, the beat guys compared it to the surgery that Miller had, or the injury Miller had from the, the, the year prior. And, and if that's the case, then he probably will have surgery this off season. Um, just kind of just to, to, to clean things up in there. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's definitely possible ability with him. I mean, he had some injuries a, a year ago as well. And it kind of seemed to, to take a little while to get over those things. You know, hopefully he, with a, the best case scenario for the Bears is that he comes back, you know, fully healthy. You know, he's really dedicated to getting things right. He understands what he's seeing pre and post snap. And, and the best case scenario for the Bears is that he can become that the, the guy that, you know, will lead this team into the future. I'm just not sure if that's the case. And the Bears definitely have to get a, some competition in, uh, in 2020. Yeah, we talked about that earlier, and and you know we've heard all kinds of rumors from maybe a, a second round draft choice uh, to bring a rookie in to 
uh, well, Rivers to Bridgewater, all the way down to Tom Brady, that he might have interest in coming to Chicago. So it's absolutely a toss-up between now and the you know, middle of March when free agency begins. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm actually working on an article now, um, a, a free agency primer. I'm looking at all the quarterbacks that are, that are going to be free agents. And, and honestly, there's not a lot of guys out that I would really get excited about the Bears picking up. But but they got to have someone. You got to get a guy in that you know you can turn to and start in case it doesn't work out with Mitch. You know, I, I can't see the Bears get rid of him. You know, he's still under contract. It's a, it's, it doesn't really make any sense for them to, to move on from him. You know, keep him, bring in a veteran, let them both compete, and then you go from there. What do you think about Bridgewater? He, you know, he stepped in for New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans, and I think they scaled back the playbook a lot for him. But, you know, he stepped in, and they, they didn't miss a step. And, you know, they ended up being – they were this close to, to being one of the top two seats and not having to play in wild card round. Yeah, I think of all the quarterbacks out there that are free agencies, I think he's the guy that I think would, would probably excite me the most. You know, I liked him when he, when he was a Viking. I thought he played pretty good back then. Then, of course, he had the really bad injury. Took him a while to get back from that. And then he did. He stepped in. He won, He won. I think, uh, the Saints won five games, and he was in there starting for them early this season. Um, the first few games, like you said, they did scale back quite a bit. He didn't have a lot of passing stats. But as his starts came on, he got more comfortable in the offense. His, his productivity went up. He's the guy that understands coverages. He understands what, what he's seeing out there on the field. Um, he, he's he's a, a solid veteran option, and he's the one guy I think that you know if the Bears brought him in, you know he, if they if, he, if he's signing a guy like Bridgewater though, that's going to be big money, and he's coming in as your number one, and then Trubisky will be your number two because there's at this point in their careers, you know Bridgewater would be get that kind of money where you're not going to pay him you know that kind of money and then not him not having to be the clear-cut starter. So he's the guy that probably would come in and, and take that job if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I personally don't relish the idea of these uh, 20-plus million-dollar uh, quarterbacks coming in. I just – I don't think that any of them are particularly, you know, uh, somebody – anybody that I would say, yes, absolutely, this guy's the solution. Uh, the only guy that I think that would be out there in terms of maybe acquisition or would be that if somehow Alex Smith was healthy yeah. – um, you know, that would be the perfect fit, clearly. But he, you don't know if he's healthy. He's under contract. You know, you'd have to trade for him. And his contract is, is pretty large. Um, you know, people talk about Cam Newton. He's an injury risk. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about Tom Brady. I just feel like that's – I just don't see that happening. I mean, you know, it, it that's just kind of out there, wild talk, you know, talking about – um, Tom Brady coming here. I mean, I, I, it would be it would be amazing. Um, yeah, I'd be all for it. You know, if he wanted to come here on a two-year deal, and I mean, that's a guy that if you know if if you want to figure out a way to pay him twenty-five, thirty million dollars or something, you know, you do it. Um, but it's just, you know, I, I think uh, they have to bring somebody in to compete, uh, whether that's a, a Andy Dalton or, um, you know something like that or they or they at least bring a guy in um that when they go to him he's a a better option than chase daniel um yeah you know a lot of talk lately about um you know the coaching staff um you know and and the shake up there personally i'm i'm happy that this happened i was calling 
for this, and I'm hoping that um, it's a, a portent of, of perhaps the Bears uh, doing something similar to what the Vikings have done to kind of change their fortunes, um, you know, in, uh, you know, bringing, uh, jettisoning uh, DeFlippo and bringing in Stefanski and uh, changing their offense to more of a play action uh, type of offense, you know, more under center, more, um, you know, uh, optimal for uh, Kirk Cousins to succeed and for their run game to succeed. So hopefully um, that's what we'll see. Uh, you know, it was sort of um, an interesting way that the Bears chose to handle uh, the firing of, of the uh, coaches. Uh, what did you think of the moves uh, to get rid of the, you know, the coaches? They obviously they got rid of uh, Helfrich and he stand and um you know sort of uh, uh un un um remarkable being brock olivo the special team yeah. assistant coach and uh kevin gilbride jr the tight end coach what did you think of the those uh moves uh lesser you know the only one i was really surprised with with uh, was firing he stand you know he is just a, such a, a well-respected offensive line coach you know, but I think this boils down to basically is just their their philosophies didn't mesh. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Matt Nagy wants to do a certain thing, uh, and then with with Heastan, he's more tuned to doing a different type of thing. You know, it's, it's Matt Nagy wants to do the inside zone stuff. You know, I think with Heastan, he's a little more. You know, even though he did he does do some some, some zone blocking scheme stuff, I think he wanted to do a little a little different stuff as far as the some more power, maybe some more some more man principles, and for whatever reason they just didn't mesh as far as the overall run game. Um, do you want to call it a, a scapegoat getting rid of all those guys? That's, that's possible. But I think at the end of the day, Matt Nagy just figured, you know what? I got to get a, a run game in here that more coincides, you know, 100% with his philosophy. And then if that's get rid of, uh, you know, he's saying to bring in Castillo, that's what he had to do. And then with the, 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 the with Mark Helfrich, you know, that's just a, one of those situations where, I mean, he's not the play caller. You know, he was, from what I understand, the, the guy behind the run game coordination, the run game was a big problem this year. Yes, they didn't run a lot, um, but the overall numbers, you know, when you look at them, they weren't as low as a lot of people think. I know a couple of years ago with Jordan Howard, you know, we heard the same complaint. They did, the, the Bears didn't run, you know, uh, they weren't, they weren't going to run the ball much. You know, that happened again this year. But again, the productivity wasn't there, whether it was the scheme up front. Again, the offensive line, we're going back to those guys. You know, they had a bad year blocking this year. Part of that was was the the switch up front with Whitehair and Daniels. Those two didn't seem to be on the same page early. Then of course they switched in the middle of the year, and then they had some growing pains as well. I, I hope next year whatever they decide to do with those two guys, they keep them in their spots. They just let them grow with it. You got to deal with the growing pains. And if that's playing them in preseason a little bit more than you want to, do it because you got to get those guys on the same page in the, in the interior of that line. One of the things that you just touched on the the where the Daniels and white hair started in different positions. They ended up switching back to the positions they had in 2018. I, my understanding was, was they wanted white hair between the two guards uh, yeah. to, to help out Cower, you know, when he replaced Kyle Long. Um, but, you know, you're right. There, there was a lot of, uh, there wasn't continuity in the offensive line like there was last year. And the Bears' offense struggled because of it. So I don't know anything about this new offensive line coach, Lester. So uh, all I've read is, you know, he's a, he's a you know Kansas City, Philadelphia guy, um, and it, it's a smart move for a Nagy-based offense. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, that's basically the nail on the head there. I mean, he, he's been with, with Coach Reed in, in Philadelphia for a long time. You know, him and Nagy have the same, you know, they come from the same coaching tree. Um, so this is a guy that's definitely going to mesh with what Nagy wants to do. But, you know, it, it, again, it comes down to talent. If the guys up front aren't doing it, and, of course, that right guard spot, you know, uh, Kyle Long was not the Kyle Long of old. Rashad Coward had some nice moments early. But then it seemed like he was just a, a, a bit over his head there as the year went on. And then with Ted Larson, you know, he is what he is. He's, he's a veteran stopgap. So the Bears have to get a starting quality right guard in next year, whether, they, they, whether that's through, through, through free agency or they draft a guy in, in the second round. You need more talent at right guard spot. I think if you have that, that'll help solidify things. And then we talked about it, you know, white hair. If he's your center, then, then he's your damn center. Don't move him around. Let him stay there. <laughs> and then because because with, with James Daniels, he had a rough year all, all season long. He wasn't very good at center. And when he moved him to guard, he had a pretty bad year at guard. He was much better as a rookie than he was this last season. Yeah, what I think about, uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say Castillo, um, people have talked about, you know, when he comes in, generally it has signified changes, um, you know, that, that he's going to want to shake things up. I don't know that the Bears um, will have – the flexibility to do that in terms of, um, you know, they just they just paid Whitehair, Massey, and Leno, and a lot of their contracts uh, really start hitting the salary cap this upcoming season, um, you know. But you, you bring up, uh, I think, a great point, which is that Whitehair, I mean, I think as long as Mitch is the quarterback, Cody's going to be the center. I, I think the, the, the comfort level there, I, I think maybe they underestimated um, how important that was, uh, even with uh, Whitehair's issues with snaps. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 you talk about Hisan getting fired. I, I really, they gave him nothing to work with. I mean, you know, and, and I'd be interested to find out, we probably never will, but I'd be interested to find out how on board he was for the whole coward experiment, you know, because my understanding of that whole thing was that st- that started out with Fangio. You know, Fangio told him he needs to be an offensive lineman. And then, you know, so they started this this development project. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But then somehow, how did we get to the point where Coward was the guy? You know, yeah. like, it, Larson wasn't hurt, as far as I know, after a certain point. He was hurt at, at, at one point. But then he wasn't starting. And then as soon as he gets in, and I know it's against the backups, but... As soon as he got in, it looked like the run game, especially to the right, improved drastically. I mean, David Montgomery, uh, you know, had one of his best games of the season against the Vikings. Um, you know, and he and in terms of yards per carry, he actually had a pretty good game against the Chiefs too. They just were behind the whole game. I, I just worry that I, I don't know if it matters that much who the offensive line coach is if if they don't upgrade their talent. You know, and and everybody's. Talking about Alex Bars, you know, he's a guy that they kept uh, ostensibly, or or I would say Alex Bars is probably sitting here going, you know, like what the heck? I stayed because of Harry Eastand, yeah. and now you fired him. I could be on the Patriots right now, you know, like, and, and here you are, you know, playing this. I mean, you know, no disrespect to Coward, but I mean, he just looked out of place. Yeah. He looked lost, like. And and so the, and then the combination of Cornelius Lucas and and him, I mean, some of the pass protection in that game against the Vikings was just brutal uh, on that right side. And I just like, you know, 
you have to like they have to spend some serious money on a right guard i feel like and so that kind of folds into the issue of okay you're going to probably have to drop you know eight nine million dollars on a guard you can't that 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 precludes you from having a 25 million dollar quarterback <laughs> yeah, I, I think with Coward, I mean, he, he looked pretty good early. I mean, he was first inserted into the lineup. You know, there was some 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 run plays where he was just really physical off the ball. You know, but I think what happened was teams realized that you can run some stunts on him and try and play some games with him, and you can you get him off balance and 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 and, and, and out of position. And that's kind of what we saw as the year went on, and then he got hurt, and then we had Ted Larson come in, who's who's a veteran. He understands his job a little better. He may not be as physical at the point of attack. Um, but at that point with Rashad Coward, like he was getting fooled too much. So, you know, a change right. had to be made there. And, and honestly, I just don't see the bears dropping that a big, a big amount of coin on a right guard. I think what they'll do is they'll try and address the position with a, uh, with a younger veteran, a guy who maybe hadn't had a chance to, to, to be a, a full-time starter or a guy yeah. that kind of was like, like with the bears with, uh, uh, Bobby Massey a few years ago when he first signed him from the Cardinals, but he was the guy that kind of he was really the, their top guy. Uh, he had some skills. The Bears saw, saw something in him with their scouts and to kind of coach them up. And you know he's been a decent right tackle for them in these last few years. I think that's kind of the route they're going to go. They're going to get a lower guy, a veteran. And again, I think they got to draft the guy at some point because you can find guys in, in, in the second or third round that can come in and start at, at that guard spot. You just got to roll the dice and, and hope you get one of those guys. So a little bit on, let's touch base and, and get into this a little bit more, Lester. What about bars? You know, we were, you know, you were very excited about yeah. bars come, come roster cutdown day and disappointed that he didn't make the 53 man squad. And then fortunately he ended up on the practice squad and the rest is history. Is he going to be the guy for right guard? Is, you know, when you take a look at the draft, according, I was listening to uh, on NFL uh, channel uh, yesterday that when you look at the upcoming draft, the upcoming draft, the quarterback position is yeah, so-so after the first couple of guys. The uh, offensive tackle position is extremely uh, heavy with talent coming into yeah. this draft, as is wide receiver and running back. You know, I think that that you know, getting another wide receiver uh, because Wims didn't really show anything this year. He kind of he kind of you know regressed after a little bit early. We don't know what we have in Ridley. We don't know if Gabriel's coming back after two concussions. Is he going to be a cap casualty? Uh, so can we fix the tackle position through the draft? Is Bars going to be the guy? So you have a new tackle through the draft. You have Bars at right guard. You've got the Daniels white hair combination. And Massey has been serviceable, but not great at right tackle. Is that going to be enough? And I think with Bars, I, I like his upside. But again, he's an undrafted free agent. You know, if he can come in and have a, a Ted Larson type career, I think that's a win for the Bears. You know, he's a guy that can come in and, and, and be a sub at a, at a few spots on that line. You know, you know, maybe he does take that next step. You know, he did. He was coming off a pretty bad injury when he was in college. You know, you, they always say it takes a couple years to get over those injuries. You know, he played pretty good in the preseason. He looked good against backups. You know, then only the Bears know for sure what what his his his, his potential is going to be there. But I don't think you can go into a, a 
a season expecting him to be the guy that wins the job. You know, he, he, he should be in the mix, obviously, but you got to make a move there. And you didn't mention that the, the tackles coming up. Yeah. It's pretty good tackle class. Um, so I think the bears, you know, again, I talked about drafting a, a guard on the same token that could be drafting a tackle. You know, in the NFL, a lot of times your college tackles, you know, they kick inside the guard. It depends on the scheme and the variation of, of, of what they did in college. But since the Bears are still going to be mostly a, a zone blocking scheme, you know, if you get a tackle in college that has uh, plays a pretty good uh, a pad level, he understands, you know, leverage, you could kick him inside the guard at the right guard spot if it's, if it's one of your guys. And then maybe at, in time you can take over from Massey or Leno. I just don't see them replacing either one of those two guys because of the money right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we talked about Kruitz, and one of the things Kruitz uh, has criticized this team for is not having high draft picks invested in the offensive line. I mean, you look at the teams that are left in the playoffs, and, and they've all got first-round picks on their offensive line, um, you know, and the Bears just do not. Um, and it, it, to me, I think last year in the draft, it was puzzling that they didn't – uh, address that a little bit more. I felt like the offensive line depth was something that everybody out in the, you know, Bears podcast world was talking about being an issue. Um, and and here we were towards the end of the training camp and, and everybody was kind of like, how can, you know, like Cornelius Lucas can't make the team and, you know, who's this, who's that. And I just feel like that Nagy and Pace or maybe whoever kind of fall in love with these projects um, and, and, you know, I think Coward and Sowell were two projects that really just absolutely failed. Uh, I don't, I, you know, it would have been so much nicer to have Sowell available as what he was supposed to be, which was a swing tackle. You know, like it, you're 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 robbing Peter to pay Paul by you know uh, taking from a tight end depth uh, problem and and you know. Um, making an offensive line problem, you know, but again, you know, I think the tight end, the lack of the tight end position was something that snowballed around the entire offense. I mean, I think it, it hurt the run game. It hurt Mitch. It hurt the pass protection. It allowed teams to do a lot of different things against the bears where the, you know, they basically, the linebackers are, are don't ever have to worry about the tight ends. I mean, because we just don't have tight ends. So I think that was a huge thing. But I look at I have to I have to, you know, put the criticism on pace there, you know, and I just think, you, you know, it, it'd be interesting. You probably never find out. But but I, I don't know how Harry would feel about what he was given to work with, um, you know, because it's just not. You know, I mean, I think obviously their contracts, their contracts are going to hit more. But people brought up the fact that the Bears were 31st in spending on the offensive line in 2019, and I just feel like. And it that, showed. Yeah, and it showed. But now this year, I think they're it's going to jump up quite a bit because the yeah. contracts are going to kind of come to bear. But it's like, so what are you, what are you getting for that money now? And that's that's the issue. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're very astute to say that you don't think the Bears are going to spend big money on a guard, but man, they should. <laughs> like, I would love to see them, you know, go out and and sign a, you know, a solid guy, um, you know, from from somewhere, because um, it's just I, I I don't know I don't know if I trust, um, 
You know, I mean, that's what we thought. They kind of thought we got Harry Heastan, so we don't have to spend a bunch of money because he's the miracle worker. Yeah. And it didn't work out. Hey, yeah. is Ruben is Ruben Brown available? Oh, that'd be nice, right? If you get a guy like that in there, you know. I mean, that's, yeah. but 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 that's one of the guys you're gonna get. A guy like a guy like him, a, a little a little uh, 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 later in their career. A guy like Ruben Brown. A guy like Josh Sitton. You know, the Bears are right. gonna try and you're gonna try and get one of those guys. You're gonna get a younger guy that they can plug in, or an older guy that's not gonna command a huge money, but it still has some 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 tread on the tires. But yeah, or, they have to address that yeah. position. Or you get a, or maybe you get a, you know, a, a tackle, maybe a, a Brandon Scherf or a Andrus Pete or, you know, there's guys out there and then, and then, you know, because if you have a better right tackle, maybe the guard position gets better by proxy. Yeah. You know, I just feel like they, that, that needs to be something that they address, you know, and I thought we would have drafted some more guys and yet here we are drafting, you know, Riley Ridley and, you know, Kareth White who basically were non-entities and then we ended up lose Kareth White. So I don't know. I just feel like I feel like offensively um, one of the major problems for the Bears is that pace is not the greatest at identifying offensive talent and drafting it. And then I think overall we overrated the quality of the offensive talent on this team, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it appears that way. But, you know, and, and also, though, I mean, if, if the quarterback plays a little better, I mean, the quarterback's supposed to elevate his team around him, and that didn't happen this season. I mean, there, there were there were so many times where, where guys were just open and they were just missed. Oh, you know, absolutely. Were, were, you know, so, I mean, if, if you get a little bit better play out of that spot, then some of these, these problems on offense aren't, aren't as big. But, but overall, definitely the offense was broken in 2019. Yeah. So let's look at the uh, coaching situation, Lester. You know, we've, we've replaced the offensive line coach. Uh, we still don't have an offensive coordinator. Um, nobody has talked about this. What about, is is Ragon going to get promoted from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator? And then maybe Chase Daniels uh, retires and becomes the quarterback coach. Uh, that's a scenario I haven't seen at all out there. Um, there's a lot of talk about Shermer coming on board and some inklings that uh, there's a couple of rumors that are starting to spread about Shermer. But, you know, why would Shermer come here? He's, he's got such a, uh, a good history of being an offensive coordinator and calling his plays. Why would he come to Chicago if he's not going to call plays? Yeah. So, you know, we've got it. We, and we, of course, we have to fill a tight ends coach. I could care less about the special teams assistant coach. The special teams was decent this year. I, I don't think we have to worry about kicker. A lot of people still think that we do. Uh, if is, is Patterson under contract for a couple more years or was, did he sign a one-year deal? That was a two-year deal. He has one more year on the contract. So, um, so, it's a pretty, pretty good, pretty significant cap hit for a guy of, of, of what he does. I do think that the Bears got to figure out a little better way to get him more involved in the offense. Amen. You know, they seem to to really telegraph him early. And then as the year went on, they kind of got away from him. And then he kind of had a little more time late. But uh, I think you should be able to get him involved a little bit more, whether that's at running back and receiver. You know, I'm going to go back a few years. The Bears were playing the the, uh, T.O., Terrell Owens, uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, in prime time. And in the first half, they could not get the ball to T.O. They were just blanket covering the guy. And they made an adjustment at halftime where they actually lined him up as a running back, and he would go out in patterns. 
and they couldn't stop him. So why not use that same philosophy with Cordero Patterson lining up as, as a running back? He can run the ball as well as go out in, in patterns from that position. I think they totally, totally missed the ball in, in using his talents in this offense this year. Yeah, if you look at his stats from a, 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 the last couple of years with the Patriots and before that with the Raiders, you know he ran the ball more from the running back spot. So I think that's that's I mean that's probably his best fit in an offense is a guy that can run the ball out, out, out of that position. I think that's where you want to go with him. Hopefully moving forward, I think you know again the Bears are going to self scout. They're going to try and come back and get a little 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 things uh, a tweak here and there. But he he's a weapon. I mean he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. You get him some space. He can make some moves. You know he's he's big enough to break tackles. We, we, and that's something that, that was that was uh, something we saw there during the season as well. Uh, but to going back to your offensive coordinator point. You know, I'm not sure if Ragone is going to be the guy that gets the, the bump. I mean, it's possible. Um, I haven't heard anything about, about Chase becoming a coach. I did see a quote from earlier today where he talked about he loved, he would love to come back and play another year in Chicago uh, because he loves the city. He loves the team. I'm just not sure I see that happening. Um, it's possible, but I don't think it'd be the number two, maybe the number three. If the Bears want to carry three guys, maybe he comes back. Um, and then with Shermer, at this point, Maybe he is holding out to be a play caller, but all the coaching staffs are pretty much full now. The only staff that's still up in the air is in Cleveland, and uh, depending on the rumors you hear, it doesn't sound like Shermer's going to go to Cleveland to be their play caller, depending on the couple coaches I've heard that it's rumored there. So if he wants to stay in the NFL in 2020, his only job may be with Chicago. Have you ever seen so many coaching positions get filled so quickly Oh yeah, it was kind of weird how everything kind of kind of came so quick with with the Redskins started off with Rivera, and then every, all the other jobs kind of came so quick. I mean, you know, this is the uh, uh, Wildcard Weekend just happened, and, and pretty much only one job left, and it's Cleveland. So wh- whoever goes there again, that's going to determine what happened with Shermer. He may be waiting to kind of see what happens there, but but I got a feeling him and Nagy have talked. You know, I'm sure they have. You know, they have the, the same the same coaching tree with Andy Reid there. You know, the philosophy is obviously meshed there. The Shermer's big hiccup may be that he wants to be the play caller, but again, if he doesn't have any jobs available, he may be forced to kind of come here and kind of see what happens. It'll be interesting. The other thing about Shermer is a lot of people are saying, why would he want to come here and not be the play caller? Wouldn't he uh, be making the offset money between the two jobs too? Like, I mean, I'm yeah. assuming that that the uh, the the Giants' coaching head coaching job was a higher paying job, so I mean. And, and, you know, the other flip side of that is why wouldn't he want to do that? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and especially too, you know, it, it's, I think it's a, it's, it could be a very similar situation to when he was the uh, assistant coach of the year in Minnesota with, when he, you know, when he, uh, him and Case Keenum led them to the NFC championship game. Um, you know, so that would be something that I would personally like to see. Uh, that's, that's a reasonable option, you know, is bring Shermer in and get Keenum here. And, and you know, what I want to see kind of going back to what I talked about, you know, them re-jiggering everything to to have a voice that is a maybe a dissenter sometimes to Nagy, you know, because um, it's interesting. You know, I, I found it uh, funny that everybody all year was like, what does Helfrich do? Yeah. Right after right after he's fired, it's like all of a sudden, oh, by the way, he was in charge of the run game. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like, now we find that out like it's it's just weird that you know they don't say it at the press conference they say they're 
talking about some changes. Then they dropped the bomb that all these coaches are fired. And then uh, it's leaked out to Adam Johns that, hey, by the way, um, you know the thing that sucks the most about the offense? Well, Helfrich was in charge of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, 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 I just, you know, I find that to be a little bit uh, questionable, to say the least. So, you know, I, I mean... Uh, Kafka is a guy, you know, the that people are talking about. Do you do you have any feelings on Kafka, the quarterbacks coach from the Chiefs, a former Northwestern uh, guy? Yeah, I mean, if he's available, that'd be a great hire for the Bears. But I mean, I believe he's under contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I'm not sure how how that'll go with Reed. I mean, I think they're kind of waiting to see what happens with with uh, with the, 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 the their coordinator in Casey now with with uh, Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. You know, if he goes, I think Kafka gets promoted. You know, but again, right. it's all, I think all these guys are under contract. So if they're under contract, then it's up to Reed whether he wants to let them go and, and, and interview for other jobs. Right. Who wants to go to Cleveland as a head coach? Oh, I have no idea. You know, it's uh, the, 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 the last rumor I heard was Josh McDaniels. Um, but yeah, I'm just not sure he's going to be a good fit anywhere. Cause just the way, he, uh, the way he's kind of done things the last few years with, with the Colts, obviously a, a year ago. And I think, at one point he was up for the Cleveland job, you know, several years ago. And I think he turned them down way back then. So I'm just not sure if that's a good fit. I just can't see McDaniels going anywhere. As long as Belichick is, uh, is the coach of the Patriots. He's pretty much married to him. Uh, the fiasco with Indianapolis last year was, I I wouldn't touch the guy. If, if, if I owned a team, the last guy I would want to interview would be Josh, Josh McDaniels. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, he would be blacklisted from any conversations at all in in our war room for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. We you know we've we've talked a lot about what's going on. You know, I think if they fix the offensive line and they fix the tight end position and they get in a a running back, you know. I don't know what happened to Mike Davis. You know, he, he, there was a lot of expectations that, that he and Montgomery would share the load. And then, you know, he disappeared and rightfully so because he didn't produce when he was on the field. Uh, Cohen has proved himself to not be a backup, a reliable backup running back because he, he hesitates. He runs East and West rather than North and South. You know, could Cordero Patterson be that guy? Hopefully, it would be nice to see him be that guy. Uh, then if they wouldn't need need that much. Uh, you know, a little bit retooling on the offensive line, a, a tight end uh, that uh, that they can depend on. Uh, you know, is Gabriel going to come back? Is Miller going to be healthy when he comes back from his second uh, shoulder surgery? So, so there's 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 not a lot of questions talent-wise, I think. I, I think that Aaron disagrees with me uh, there. But we haven't even talked about the, the defense yet because you've got you've got Trevathan that is a free agent. You've got uh, Nick Wachowski that's a free agent. Uh, Prince looks like he's going to be a cap casualty by all conversations. One question I have, and, and I'm not, I am no expert on, on the salary cap and the Bears situation in relationship to it, but I don't understand why everybody is saying the Bears have a big crunch on salary cap when they've got so many, uh, when they have so many players that are free agents. So I don't know if, if you can answer that question or you've got somebody on your staff 
that pays a, a lot of attention to the salary cap situations. But there's obviously there's going to be a few changes before the uh, roster is set in, in August of 2020. So it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, I think the Bears are sitting around 25, 26 million in cap space right now. Uh, you mentioned the Prince Mukamara cut. You know that'll save you know like like nine million dollars there. I mean they're not in cap hell obviously, but I think what the, what people are looking towards is with, with the the Cleo Mack contract gets bigger as it goes. You know there's a few other contracts that that are that are, that are a much bigger in, in 2020 and 2021. But again, it, this is the NFL. The cap goes up every year. You know th- there are tweaks you can make here and there. And it, and it may affect your bottom line as far as, you know, a guy you, you may have to cut a little earlier than you want to. But the thing with Ryan Pace's contracts, one thing he's always done, he's always given the team an out. So there's always that that that, that year you know, in, in advance of the contract. If you give him a, a two-year deal, a three-year deal, one of those later later deals, there's always, you know, a place you can get out where there's, where there's no dead cap space. That's one thing Pace has always done. So there are some places here to make some extra money for the thing, uh, for, for the cap this season. I, I don't think they're in, in cap hell. I think they're kind of like, like middle of the road. You know, they're not having as much money as they had the last few years, you know, but I think they'll be fine. The, the, whatever they want to do, they'll, they'll be able to do it. I think you're going to have a guy like Trevathan, Kwiatkowski, and, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I think two of those guys come back. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to bring all three back, but there are some holes in that defense you have to address. So, But but I think they have enough money and, and enough draft capital to do it here. What do you? Uh, two other pieces on defense that I think are important to look at is Nick Williams, um, who I think they absolutely have to bring back. Uh, and then uh, you have a restricted free agent in Roy Robertson Harris. Um, you know, people are focusing on Kwiatkowski and Trevathan, which I think they're important. But what do you think about those two guys? What what kind of money are they looking at, you know, uh, having to spend on? And also a, a minor piece, but I thought Brent Urban was a nice uh, yeah. kind of midseason pickup who actually made some nice contributions. Um, and, and you know, sidebar to that is I hope Aaron Lynch never puts on a Bears uniform again because <laughs> that guy's yeah. a walking penalty. Uh, yeah, you have to find a better guy to off the linebacker. Aaron Lynch cannot be your number three guy there. He's got to go. You got to get a guy that actually rushed rush the passer. Um, you need some more options there. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Roy Robinson Harris. You know, he is a restricted free agent. I think the Bears are going to give him a tender offer. Um, we'll see where it's at. I think they want to keep him. Um, but the nice thing is, is if if you do give him a tender and, and he does sign away and it's it's for too big a money, you can always let him go and, and get that draft pick back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, with, with Nick Williams, you know, while he had a really nice season, I think he has six and a half sacks. You know, he plays a position that's just not, you know, valued in the NFL. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. basically a nose tackle. He's not going to get a, a huge money offer. I think the Bears may let him kind of test the market, kind of see where it is, and then have him come back to them and say, hey, this is the best I could find, and the Bears will give him that kind of same deal because he is a good part of the locker room. You know, he's been around for a few years now. You know, he definitely will fit what they want to do as far as up front. He can play a few positions there for those guys and, 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 and at 30 front. Uh, so I think you bring – both Williams and Roy Robinson Harris back. And then again, you mentioned Brent Urban. Again, I, I thought he played nice down the stretch too. He's, he's a veteran guy. You know, he plays that five technique for you. Um, we'll see where the money lays with him. You know, he's probably a guy at this point in his career where he signs just for the vet, uh, the vet minimum. You know, he may be back in camp competing for a job there. We'll see what happens. What are we going to do at safety? Obviously, yeah. Eddie's been locked up. Uh, but, you know, HaHa came here on a one-year deal, so... He's he's a free agent or restricted free agent, yeah. and, and you know he he had he he flashed a couple of times, but 
I didn't think he was um, a huge playmaker for the Bears this year. Obviously, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson, you know, was not the Eddie Jackson of 2018, but he was he was doing other things in the defense that they needed him to do instead of being the the uh, center fielder ball hawking safety that we fell in love with in yeah. 2018. So there's a couple of things there. Buster Screen played a hell of a job at, at nickel. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, he was always making plays. His, his number flashed on the screen probably more than any other defensive back in the entire year. He, you know, he's kind of an unsung hero on that defense, in, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a few decisions that we, we have to make. But before uh, before we uh, let you go, Lester, we haven't touched base on, on Kyle Long. Uh, you know, obviously Kyle just recently uh, tweeted that he was stepping away to get his body right. I don't think he'll be coming back uh, after he gets his body right. But, um, you know, the guy was a soldier. The guy was a warrior. He did a hell of a job the first half of his career. The second half of his career was marred with with injury. But the one thing that I was just absolutely mystified was all the talk during preseason was, I'm 100%. I I feel better than I have in years. I feel like I was, you know, my rookie year, blah, blah, blah. And he comes out against Green Bay and lays an egg. And he was absolutely terrible in the Washington game. You know, the the touchdown or the interception that Trubisky threw in the red zone uh, that night, uh, that Kyle Long was sitting in his lap because he got pushed right back into Trubisky before he could even set up on a three-step drop. So, you know, and then, you know, he had a couple of tweets before he retired saying, I played every down my last game as a Chicago Bear, and I ended up on the injured reserve list. So the writing is on the wall. Yeah. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I think that was pretty much the gist of the of the tweet. So there was a little bitterness there, uh, but you know I got I got to take my hat off to Kyle Long. He uh, epitomized uh, the toughness of of the Bears of old, as opposed to the bears of, you know, the, the, of speed that we're trying to, to see the transition going to, uh, you know, currently your thoughts on Kyle Long. Yeah. He's, he's, he's obviously a really good player early in his career. You know, I think he's kind of one of these guys where, you know, a year ago, him and the bears kind of saw the writing on the wall as far as where his health was going. You know, that's why they, they can, they, uh, they, they reworked his deal. Uh, they, they changed it, you know, so I think everyone knew this was going to be his last day in Chicago. Uh, they gave him every chance to, to come back from the injuries and from all indications, all the previous surgeries he did recover from, you know, this year it was that hip that was bothering him. And, and, and when the hip goes bad for an offensive lineman, you know, that, that kills their core. He had no push in, in the run game. You know, he had no anchor in the pass game. You know, he just could not play like the Kyle Long of old and, and, they, they, they hoped that he would kind of get things going around there. It just never happened this season. And like, like you said, he did play every game, you know, his last game was a bear, but when you go back and watch the film from that game, again, he played like he did earlier. He just wasn't very good. And, and the bears realized that that hip was never going to get better, uh, whether it's, it's something that's chronic with him there for, for the rest of his life or just something that needs, needs, you know, extensive rest. 
you know, they felt the best thing for him was just shut him down. And, and then obviously, you know, he realized that his career is probably over. So, you know, he, he may take a year off and try and come back, you know, next year for the other team. But, you know, judging by what he's been tweeting out, he's really active on Twitter. You know, it really does seem like he's he's come to grips that it's over for him and he's moving on to the next chapter in his life. And, and I think he'll be fine whatever he does. I think he's going to do some stuff on social media. You know, I think a, 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 a Twitch channel for, for gaming might, might be in the card for him because he does a lot of that stuff, too. So, you know, I wish him luck wherever he goes. He's one of my, my, my favorite players to ever watch throughout the my, my Bears fandom. One of the things that, that I think the play that, that stands out the most for me, um, they were playing the Rams when they were still in St. Louis. And I don't know if it was his, his rookie year or it was it was early in his career, obviously, because the Rams have been in L.A. for a few years already. And I believe his brother was actually on the Rams. Yeah. And there was a situation where uh, he just became livid. And his brother actually had to come out from the sideline and pull his, and pull Kyle back from doing something that he could have ended up with a, a couple of uh, couple of game suspensions or worse uh, because the guy was just absolutely livid. But that was the competitor that was Kyle Long, and I'll remember that the rest of my life. For sure. You know, he, he played with passion. He, played, he, he was really aggressive on the field and, uh, you know, he definitely fit what it meant to be a, a Chicago bear. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to miss seeing him play, but you know, it's, it's over for him. The bears got to move on. They got to find a guy that can fill that role. We'll see what happens in uh, 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll miss his, his competitiveness and his fight. And I mean, he was really like a, one of the few guys out there on, on a lot of the lines that he played with that, you know, you felt like this guy's an enforcer. This guy's got some nasty, this guy's a personal protector for the quarterback. And whether it was Jay or Josh McCown or whatever quarterbacks he was protecting, if you did something to that quarterback, you knew you were going to see Kyle Long in your face about it. Um, and I think, honestly, I think that's kind of missing from this offensive line is that nasty. You know, you've got guys that are physically gifted, but none of them are mean except for maybe Coward. I think Coward has that, but unfortunately his technique is lacking, um, you know, and it's, it, you know, so that's kind of what, what you've missed, you know. And, and, I mean, yeah, I think Kyle's had, had a controversial, you know, run in, in terms of, um, you know, Bears fandom, but I think most people – you, know, you you have to look at the decade. He's he's one of the best. He's one of the best Bears players of the decade. Um, yeah. You know, and I think he's one of the better first round picks um, that the Bears have had in recent memory as well. So, you know, I'll, I'll look back on his career just like you very fondly, and I I think he's going to be around. He's talked about being you know staying in Chicago. I think he, I think you're going to see him maybe uh, come back with the team and as a coach or as a you know whatever just kind of you know be around and um you know and, and and he's got the personality to do a lot of other things as you said. So um I wish him all the best of luck and uh you know I'm glad he's he's stepping away when he's still got his all his mental and physical uh faculties and you know can go on and, and enjoy you know, the next 30, 40 years, 50 years of his life. I mean, he's a young guy, so I think uh, good for him. Agreed. Well said. Lester, it's always a pleasure to have you on board uh, at Halitech Hall. I'm sure we'll have you on several more times during the off season, especially when we have some breaking news. So, Lester, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon, and of course, we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be watching your tweets. 
uh, and commenting on them as, as we go along. So thank you so much for being a friend of the show. Sounds good, guys. Anytime. Have a good one. Thank you. Uh, and listeners can check out Lester's work on Windy City Gridiron. They're already getting into uh, all the things that we talked about, the free agents, um, the draft situation, uh, everything. So to, uh, they have uh, a lot of great writers uh, over there. And, uh, you know, anything you could need Bears-wise, um, they're going to they're gonna be uh, your source. They're probably the best source in Chicago, absolutely, without question. Uh, we'll be right back, and we're going to wrap up uh, our show with our history segment after we hear from TickSplits.com. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thank you, TickSplits.com. Remember, uh, Halitech Hall gets all their tickets from TickSplits, and you can too and save 5% by just typing in promo code at checkout. The promo code is TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. It's all one word. It's all in caps, and you will save 5% on tickets for any event, whether it's sports, concerts, Broadway, music festivals, you name it, they have it. Aaron, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a tough year, uh, and obviously the quarterback position was chief among those problems. But, you know, as we do on Halitech Hall just about every week is we have a history segment. And in this episode's history segment, we're going to take a look at quarterback play over the last 20 years. And, you know, Trubisky's numbers definitely went down. We know that. Uh, he had a quarterback rating of only 83, but his interceptions went down, I believe. I think he only had 10 interceptions as opposed to 12 last year. Uh, but, you know, last year, you know, he finished with a quarterback rating of 95.4. And I don't think a lot of fans remember actually how decent he was. Uh, you know, he had a couple of bad games, especially in the middle. But, you know, Mitch Trubisky had six games in 2018 where his quarterback rating was over 100. You know how many Bears quarterbacks have had six games of a quarterback rating over 100 in the same season? Only <laughs> Jay Cutler. Only Jay Cutler. In the history of of the franchise. So of course, yeah. you know, we always go back on the fallback of saying, well, that's the, the problem with the bears franchise over the years is, is they can't choose quarterbacks. Uh, and when you look at the last 20 years, you're probably right. Because uh, in, in 1917, Trubisky's quarterback rating was a paltry 77 and a half, but in 16, uh, Barkley and Cutler were the quarterbacks uh, that started the most games. You know, Cutler was only 78.1. Barkley was only 68.3. Cutler's best year as a Bear was in 2015, believe it or not. He had a 92.3 quarterback rating. He didn't touch 90 at all 
the rest of his career in, in any one year. Uh, before Cutler came on board, you got to go all the way back to 2008, and the, the primary quarterback that year was Kyle Wharton at 79.6. Uh, in 2007, uh, Grossman and, and Greasy shared the load at quarterback. Uh, Greasy was at uh, 75.6. Grossman was at 66.4. And in 2006, Grossman's quarterback rating, when they went to the Super Bowl, take a guess. I can't imagine it touched 90. 73.9. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what we're talking about. All you know, right. Kyle Orton in 2005 was 59.7. Uh, you go all the way back to 2000. Cade McNown was the main quarterback in 2000 at a 68.5. Even Jim Miller in his years with the Bears, uh, he had a 74.9 in 2001. In 2002, he was 77.5. In 2003, do you remember who they brought in as quarterback as, as a free agent? Was that uh, Cordell? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. 56.8. Yeah, that was terrible. Chris Chandler, 61.3, also in 2003. So, you know, guys, we take a look at the quarterback position, and we bemoan the fact that we don't have Mahomes. We bemoan the fact that we don't have Deshaun Watson. There was a show on NFL Network just yesterday where the, the quarterback, you know, they were bringing up Deshaun Watson, and the biggest thing they talked about Deshaun Watson was his inconsistency. Now, when you take a look at the picture boy of inconsistency in 2019, you're thinking he's wearing an orange and blue jersey with a number 10 on it. But here's people talking about Deshaun Watson being inconsistent all year. He would show flashes of brilliance and then he would he would be inconsistent in, in finding receivers. Who does that sound like? So, you know, is is Watson, is is Deshaun and Trubisky the same guy wearing different uniforms? Obviously Mahomes was the cream of the crop and we missed it. Uh, you know but if we get the, you know, if we get a coach, uh, another coach, either offensive coordinator or quarterback coach from Kansas City, to come to Chicago next year, is are we going to see Mahomes continue to fall off like he did this year versus last year? Did his injury play a part in his falling off? Well, you know, we'll start seeing that this weekend when he's, uh, what they're the number two seed. So it'll be interesting to watch very closely. You know, Houston and Kansas City playing this weekend because those are the two guys that everybody is just pining for, wishing we had drafted. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you bring up a lot of great points about Bears quarterbacks. Uh, one thing that I did, um, you know, I I, brought, I tweeted this from the tailgate show is that it, it, if Mitch Trubisky has the same season as he did in 2019 and 2020, and we've talked about where his ranks will be in quarterback history, but let's say he has the disappointing season again for for purposes of argument he will in bears quarterback history be number one in completion percentage third in yards fourth in touchdowns and fifth in wins so it's just 
what that says is obviously the Bears quarterback history is is terrible. But this is a this is a guy who's who's being called a bust. And yet here he is kind of, you know, he has the chance to to to, you know, nearly own the record book of of the team. So, you know, it's just it's such a mixed bag for me. You know, I, I I I do not want to get back on the Mitch train. Like I am not going to defend this guy until I see consistency. And and for me, he has yet to put together even three good games in a row. And that's, that's the issue I have is that you bring up inconsistency from other quarterbacks, but other quarterbacks have problems. I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson's line is not very good. Uh, you know, I don't I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde are some amazing running backs. You know, who is his tight end? Nobody we've ever heard of. You know, who is Russell Wilson's tight end? Who is, you know, it, when you have that quarterback, that guy, they, you know, they they say that, you know, uh, the rising tide raises all boats and the quarterback is that. You know, everybody, I think, you know, kind of t- over or uh, I don't know, overestimated or thought that things were better than they were. The offense at the end of the day was not very good in 2018. It it was, you know, one of the worst, um, you know, in, in a lot of key games. You know, he, he, he really did not come up with the performances that were needed. And so. You know, Pace talks about it, and a lot of the Mitch Trubisky uh, apologists talk about these games, these flashes, the Tampa game, this, that, and the other. Okay, fine, but you know, if you're going to be a franchise quarterback, you've got to have more than flashes. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has flashes. Um, you know, you talk about uh, Josh McCown or some of these guys. All these guys have flashes. Um, you know, he's got to be more than that. He can't just be the guy that every third game looks great against a bad defense. He's got to play good against good defenses. He's got to play good more than just in the fourth quarter. He's got to play good when the play doesn't go well, when, when the receiver doesn't run the perfect routes, great quarterbacks make plays. Um, you know, and I hope that what they are doing this off season is, is tailoring the system to the talent because we can't just write blank checks for new talent trying to make it fit Nagy's system. You know, we brought it up on the other show. I mean, that's what that's what they tried to do when Mike Martz was here. Let's ship out good players like Greg Olson because he doesn't fit the system. We did this last year with Jordan Howard. Let's ship out quality running backs because he doesn't fit the system. And then we're so smart, we're going to bring in Mike Davis, who, oh, guess what? I guess he can't even get on the field. So that's what we're, you know, I hope that they see that if they don't get that done, they're all going to be without a job. Mitch, Ryan, and uh, Matt are going to be, you know, looking for new jobs. You know, 2020 is really a year that's going to decide a lot. Now, are the Bears that far away? Absolutely not. I, and I look at the schedule next year, and I, I don't look at this and this team and this talent and go, they can't win 10, 11 games, maybe more. Absolutely they can. But what they have, they cannot do that trying to make Mitch a 50-throw-a-game guy. He's not that guy. He needs to be play action, 
you know, simple reads, you know, get get out of the pocket, use his abilities, and be throwing 35, 30 times a game at most. And then, you know, you can have something. So hopefully we see that they bring in a coordinator who, who is going to do things to that end. Um, because if I think if everybody wanted uh, Mitch to be Mahomes, the person who most wanted Mitch to be Mahomes was Matt Nagy. <laughs> And the way that he tried to make Mitch into that, and it's just like that's not the that's not who he is, you know. There's a lot of rumors out there that actually Kansas City was going to pick Trubisky if the Bears hadn't. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So obviously Nagy loves the guy. You know? Oh, a lot of people loved him. Many, many, many people had him as the number one quarterback on their draft board. Many Absolutely. Absolutely. People. Yeah. Absolutely. And people forget that right. because of the year, uh, the year that he, that that uh, Mahomes had, mm-hmm. you know, just, I mean, he, he had, you know, he had a, a rookie year. Let's, let's call it a rookie year, even though he sat on the bench in 2017 and played a little bit in the last game of the year. Uh, but he was in all essence a year, but he had a chance to sit and learn the system from top to bottom that Mitch didn't have. Right. You know, and who was Matt, he taught by? He was taught by Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. Right. And, and Alex Smith. And, and Alex and Smith. And Andy Reid. <laughs> and now Mitch Trubisky Mitch in his fourth year as an NFL quarterback will be on his third. Count him three offensive coordinators and is if that doesn't stunt your growth i don't know what will you look at all of the great quarterbacks it, just go back even aaron Rodgers has been with the same pretty much was with the same guy forever uh brett Favre was with the same guy forever uh aside from one year uh brady's been with the same guy forever obviously he's been with the same head coach forever so the philosophy didn't change even though the offensive coordinator did for a little bit so you know there's that there's there's something to be said for that continuity let's go all the way back to Aaron Rodgers when was he drafted and when did he first see the field was he drafted what in 04 I can't remember I don't have it yeah all I know is that we picked Cedric Benson (laughs) well there were 21 or 22 other teams I know that that picked, you know, Alex Smith was the number one guy, and right. and you know, yeah. Aaron Rodgers desperately wanted the 49ers to pick him because yeah. he was a California dude, yeah. you know. And Alex Smith, what came from Utah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you know, he's he's been playing with that chip on his shoulder for 15 years. Yeah. You know, he didn't see the field, but sparingly when Favre was there, and Favre. Yeah. You know, Favre said it's not my job to to to, to yeah. coach him; it's the coach's job to coach him. And well, and, and that's so so much of quarterbacks. What they become is what happens after they're drafted. I mean, nobody nobody would have predicted Tom Brady became what he became. You know, um, I mean, nobody the the Seahawks signed Matt Flynn to a big contract after he came in and and uh, you know. Uh, had a had a great uh, relief season for the Packers uh, as a backup, and then they draft uh, Russell Wilson in the fourth round, and look what he becomes. I mean, so yeah. it, it's 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 yeah. witchcraft. I mean, they you know everybody acts like they're in hindsight they're a genius about picking quarterbacks. 
nobody is. It's it's 50-50 at best. Um, the other thing, too, is that I, I maintain, and I've said this many times before, that Mitchell Trubisky was a project, and Pace drafted him as such, but then we got Khalil Mack, and everything ramped up, and 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 the expectations went through the roof. But he was never intended to be, um, you know, I don't think they ever intended him to be that great right away. And ultimately, what you had was Mahomes, who I think they they he reminded them too much of Cutler, and um, and then you had Watson, who uh, I would have loved, and I I still you know don't. I wish they had picked him, but at the end of the day, he, he had knee injuries and he also, you know, had questions about his size and his durability, yeah. um, you know, and so, you know, they, they made, they made, they made the choice. My, my worry is just that we don't do the Jaguars deal, which is now we turn around and we pay uh, Trubisky like they paid Bortles and then we're stuck. I mean, and when we brought this up on the tailgate show, who would you rather be? Would you rather be the Eagles who now have a uh, a quarterback they paid a bunch of money to has yet to um, be in a playoff game, um, except for you know for a brief moment when he got hurt and now they're they're looking like what are they gonna do or the Rams um, who you know who went all in on Jared Goffin and other other areas or the Bears he, he didn't he regress just about as much as Trubisky did this year Jared Goff. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the the thing about Trubisky, yes, he did. The, the the thing about Trubisky is even though those numbers look decent and they look decent in the uh, comparison to Bears quarterbacks, his ranks are really what I think tell the true story of Trubisky, and he ranks at the bottom in almost every category. Um, you know, and that's what's that's what's a killer. His completion percentage is like 17th, but but yards per attempt. Um, overall yards, touchdowns, you know, uh, I don't get into the to the higher end metrics like DBOA, but people talk about that. And, and he's just, you know, unfortunately him and the offense, just their ranking is is not where it needs to be. Now, he can be, he still, I believe, can be a guy that they win with. Will he ever be a guy that they win because of? I don't know. But he can be a guy that they win with. Uh, absolutely, but they've got to change things around for him, just like the Vikings have done for Kirk Cousins, and you see what's happened there. And, I mean, to some degree, the the Packers realized that they had to change things around because even as great as Aaron Rodgers is, they cannot win the Super Bowl having him throw the ball 55 times a game and have no defense and, you know, get him hurt. So you've got, you know... I mean, look at Ryan Tannehill just beat the Patriots throwing for 72 yards. Why? Because they had Derrick Henry run for 200 yards and they have a defense, you know. So a lot of there's a lot of old school things happening in football right now, which is just kind of funny because the Bears finally get a new school offensive coach. And then, you know, look at the uh, look at the teams that are in the playoffs. They're all running. uh, They're all running teams. Uh, They they put up a, a stat the other day that. The, the top passing quarterbacks in the league are all not in the playoffs. But yeah, the, top, yeah. the, the top running quarterbacks are all in the playoffs. It's, and the top running teams are all in the playoffs. Yeah, so, back to the future for sure. That's, right. That's right. been, uh, you know, tw- yeah, 2020 became just a, an oddball year. But, you know, then you have the hybrid offenses like Baltimore. 
Right. You know, you've got a one of a kind quarterback uh, in in Lamar Jackson, who was the last quarterback taken in 18 in the round in the first round. And Baltimore traded up to the 32nd spot in order to draft him. And they they wanted him. And the re- do you know why they 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 moved up into the first round to draft him? To get the fifth year. To get the fifth-year option on him, right. exactly. But they had already so, passed on. They had already passed on him. They passed on him themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, and smart. I mean, Ozzie Newsom, that guy. I would love to have him as a GM. I mean, you know, he's he's. They they seem to have all the things that we can never figure out, like tight ends and and kickers and, <laughs> you know. So whatever. I mean, it is what it is. The, I, the bottom line is, I don't think the Bears are that bad. I don't think they're that far away. I still believe in Nagy. I think they're going to. I think they're going to figure things out. I'm not one of these people that believes that Nagy has this huge ego and he can't change and he won't change. And I'm also not one of these people that that is like so critical of the play calling because I don't know what the plays are and nobody really knows. The only people that really know what the plays are is Mitch and the team and Nagy. Otherwise, you don't know. You don't know what they were supposed to do. A lot of what happens pre-snap and motions, all that stuff is window dressing. Who knows what Mitch is really audibling? Who knows? Only they know. And and I think Ryan Pace, you know, people criticize the, the press conference. Listen to what he said at the beginning. They know they failed. They're very disappointed. They don't feel good about 8-8. Eight and eight. They are going to look at every aspect of the football operation. They're going to. And at the end of the day, like, you know, it's just like anything else. You, 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 you. You're only as good as your last season. And the the 2018 where they won all these awards and all this stuff, that's very far in the past now. And I think this was a sobering reminder that every year is new. And, you know, let's just, you know, let, they got to attack it that way. And and I think they're going to. And I think what, they, what he also said is they believe the foundation is there. And I think it is. You know, uh, Trey Burton um, had a had a had a procedure on his hip, which apparently they're ho- they're very hopeful that that's going to solve a lot of the issues. Um, you know, Hub Arcus was talking about having a similar procedure actually because he thought he went through a whole thing where he thought he had all these groin problems, but it was actually his hip. So, you know, that might be reason for hope. Um, you know, uh, it, it's. Uh, I think we still have a, a very good team and a good core and a good coach that you know can easily make this team uh, competitive again for the playoffs. And I think it does speak to the players and the coaching staff that they were able to salvage this eight and eight season. Speaking of the eight and eight season, and of course last year they were they were twelve and four. You have to go all the way back to the early years of Lovey Smith to have two years in consecutive seasons where the Bears finished at 500 or above. That's how long it's been. Right. Of course, Tressman didn't do it in his two years. Fox didn't do it in his three years. You know, Lovey was 10 and sixes last year as a head coach, and they fired him uh, because he didn't make the playoffs. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's so much there, and I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. It, it all starts with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, Mitch Trubisky threw – how many passes did he throw that didn't go beyond five yards from the line of scrimmage? A lot of them were at the line or even behind the line. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that was by design because their offensive line couldn't stop anybody from getting to Mitch. Right. Uh, you know, last year, you know who had the most completions where the ball traveled 50 yards in the air or more? Right. I mean, we talked about it. it was Mitch. Yeah, it yeah. was Mitch. Mitch yeah. had 12. He led, yeah. I don't think he had one this year. No, the ball they, they barely they barely had any plays more than 40 yards. I mean, yes. they, they, their offense was so absolutely anemic. It's one of the worst Bears offenses in Bears history. <laughs> like, yeah. and that's saying something. So it's not, and it's not just Mitch. It's a lot of things. And so you know, but again, I don't think I don't think they're that far from turning it around. But I, I, you, you, like you said, you have to, you have to, you have to address the offensive line. And I think Ryan Pace knows that. If, if firing Harry Heastan doesn't let you know that they know the offensive line was bad, then I don't know what's going to. Because, you know, I mean, maybe that's not the way to fix it. I don't know. But they know how bad the offensive line is. And, you know, um, if you're not going to fire the head coach, you got to fire some people. You got to yeah. shake it up. I mean, yeah. those, those assistants know that when things go well, they move on to better, bigger and better jobs. And when things don't go well, well, they might get fired. They might get fired with the head coach or they might get fired on their own. Um, so there. Yeah, you can't fire a head coach who's 20 and 8 in his first two years, regardless of, right. you know, whether, whether you know, if, if they were 8-8 eight, eight last year and 12-4 and four this year. Right. You know, we would be singing a much different tune sure. this year. Then you know, right now the Bears are probably in the playoffs if they would have had the same record as they did last year. But again, they would have been with, they would have played the wild card round again at 12 and four. So you know, it's it's just, you know, like you you just hit the nail on the head earlier when you said every season is is different. Yeah, so absolutely. With, with that, I want to thank our our guest Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. I want to thank our sponsor, TickSplits.com. And most of all, I want to thank Aaron for being a most gracious producer and co-host. Uh, we're looking forward to 2020. I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good stuff on this show. Uh, next week, we're going to have a special guest. Jack Silverstein is going to join us again. Uh, we're going to talk the NFL Hall of Fame and the, the top 100 list that NFL Network came out with over the past few weeks as it pertains to the Bears and the snubs that we both think uh, should either be in the Hall of Fame or should have been on that top 100 list. So that's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great conversation. We hope you'll join us again next week. With that, I'm Michael Halitek. This is Halitek Hall and Aaron you can show us the door. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, great to be back. Uh, thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. Please uh, rate and subscribe and uh, listen to the shows. And, of course, uh, check out our sponsor, TickSplits.com, for all your ticket needs. And uh, everyone enjoy uh, enjoy your week. Bye.